This is Kristen Burgess from the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're waddling, yep, waddling into episode number four. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and we're here with episode four of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I'm really excited because the podcast has been accepted into the iTunes directory, the Windows phone directory, the BlackBerry directory, and to Stitcher, which is a major podcasting directory. So if you search for the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast on any of those directories now, you can find us. And I think I'm the most excited to see it in iTunes, just because I guess it makes me feel like we're in the big time now. But go ahead and check us out on iTunes. You can now leave a rating in iTunes, and I really appreciate that. I also wanted to let you know that I have something really big coming up for you on Wednesday this week. And right now it's December the 10th, 2012. If you're listening to this in the future, sorry. But the we have a 12 Days of Christmas special coming up, especially for newsletter subscribers to Natural Birth and Baby Care's newsletter. If you're not on the newsletter, you can hop over to justaskkristen.com. That's just ask. K-R-I-S-T-E-N dot com. That's the newsletter sign-up form. That'll get you signed up for the newsletter for the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast and for naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And you will get a great deal every day for the next 12 days, starting on Wednesday the 12th to celebrate the Christmas season. I have some awesome partners lined up. I've had so much fun planning this for you guys behind the scenes. So I'll be really happy if you want to participate in that. Just jump in. Okay, so what's in the news right now in the birth and baby world? Well, the biggest headline is, of course, that the Duchess Catherine is pregnant, also known as the Lady Kate Middleton. And what is really making the news with her is that she's suffering from a problem that is unfortunately not terribly uncommon, though it's not really common. What she's dealing with is morning sickness that lasts all day long and is incredibly severe. And the technical term for that is hyperemesis gravidarium. And that essentially just means very severe all-day morning sickness, losing weight, can't keep anything down. And she was even hospitalized for three days. Thankfully, she's out now. But many moms also experience this. I'm going to use that to lead into our tips for today, our baby birth tip for today. And this tip doesn't really have to do with something quite as severe as hyperemesis gravidarum because that's really severe and if you're having that problem, you need to talk with your doctor. And unfortunately, many women struggle with it all throughout pregnancy. But we are going to go over some tips for handling normal morning sickness or normal all-day sickness because it can be normal to feel queasy or even get sick throughout the day during your pregnancy. And I want to help you understand some good practical ways to deal with that because almost all of us moms are there. Not everybody has morning sickness, but a lot of us do. So here's some tips to help you. First, before it even happens, a few tips. You may have heard of freezer meals to prepare for after your baby's birth. Well, 
Let me tell you something. Freezer meals are a really great asset to have when you're in that first trimester and all of a sudden the thought of cooking just makes you feel queasy. What you do is as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, you probably are going to have two to three weeks before you really start feeling sick unless you got your test done late. But if you find out at two or three weeks, um, two or three weeks well, that would really be three or four weeks pregnant. Two or three weeks past ovulation is most likely the earliest that you're going to find out. And so you'd be three or four weeks pregnant at that point because they base pregnancy on your last menstrual period rather than on the day you conceived. So as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, put up some meals in the freezer, some entrees. Good ideas are things like lasagna, chili, chicken nuggets, any casserole that you like that freezes well. Those are all very easy things to do. And you do a few of those, just double a few meals for a week after you get your big fat positive, your BFP. And then you'll have those there for when you're not feeling so good. I decided to do this with my current pregnancy. I'm 33 weeks pregnant right now. And when I first got my positive pregnancy test, that's what I decided to do was make up some freezer meals because I knew I was probably going to feel crummy and we were also about to move. So I was really not going to have a lot of time. I made chicken nuggets, I made chili, I made casseroles. Now the chili backfired on me because I ended up having this huge aversion to diced tomatoes for a while. You get weird aversions and weird cravings in pregnancy. But everybody else in the family really liked the chili and I just ate something else. But everything else that I made was really nice. So that's a good idea because then you'll have that in the freezer. Or even if you want to go to the grocery store and buy a couple of frozen casseroles to keep in the freezer, those can help you on the days when you feel the worst. And you know other people are depending on you and you know you need to nibble on something. Other things to do before you really start to get queasy, as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, get easy-to-eat snack items on hand. So cheese, string cheese, um, avocados, fruit, eggs that you can hard boil, even easy sandwich fixings, all those things are good ideas. And if possible, arrange your schedule so that you know that you'll have a, a period of rest in the afternoon or the morning. See if you can work remotely if you're working. <laughs> See if you can get your older kids on, used to a routine where there's some rest in the morning and then again in the afternoon when you're likely to feel kind of rough and want things to go easy. Now when you're in the throes of morning sickness, what do you want to do? The biggest tip that I can give you is to eat around the clock. And I mean it. Eat every two hours. So when you get up, eat a light snack. Then have breakfast. Then have a snack. Then have lunch. Then have a snack. Then have your supper. Then have a snack. Then go to bed. And if you're feeling really queasy or if you find yourself up in the middle of the night, have a snack then. Specific types of snack in the middle of the night, uh, something like cheese or yogurt and then fresh orange slices, is a good idea. For some reason, a lot of midwives have found that their clients benefit from fresh orange slices. So you have some of those sliced up in a little cooler beside your bed. Have some of those with some yogurt or cheese in the middle of the night. And a lot of moms tell their midwives that this makes a big difference in how they feel in the morning. If you do feel really queasy in the morning when you first get up, have that first snack before you even get out of bed. 
having this constant snack supply, first off, it keeps your body supplied with food constantly. So if you are getting sick, you're hopefully not going to lose weight and you and your baby are getting the nutrition you need. Because the first trimester is a critical time of growth and development for your baby, even though everything is very unseen. All the vital organ systems and everything like that are developing. So you want to keep a constant flow of nutrients to your baby. So eating constantly gets that to you and your baby. Even if you're getting sick, you know another meal is coming up to help make up for it. It also keeps your blood sugar from dropping, which tends to make you feel incredibly nauseous if your blood sugar crashes. And when you feel nauseated like that, even though you know you need to eat, it becomes very hard to eat. So one of the goals is to eat constantly so that that drop never happens and you never get too nauseated to eat. I'm not talking mega meals here, Mama. I don't mean that you're sitting down to a seven-course dinner every time you have a snack. A snack could be something simple as a few slices of cheese and a few apple slices, or some peanut butter on a piece of celery, or a little cup of yogurt. It doesn't have to be big, and your meals don't have to be big either. Normal-sized meals for you. So we're not talking about eating a ton extra here. It probably is going to be more than you're used to. When I was in my first trimester with this pregnancy, I did this. I ate before I had breakfast, then breakfast, then a snack, then lunch, then a snack, then dinner, then a snack. I didn't have the middle of the night snack. But if you find you need to, have it. And I was, I felt like I was eating a lot. I felt like I was constantly eating. But I really had the best first trimester that I've had. And this is my sixth pregnancy, so that's a lot of first trimesters to go through to compare it to. Now, once I got past that point where the queasiness was threatening, I did drop the early morning snack. Though some mornings I might still have it, usually not. So I just start with breakfast and then I have normal snacks because you still have high protein requirements throughout your pregnancy. So having... um, snacks and meals throughout the day is a good idea to ensure you're getting pregnancy nutrition. But but during this first trimester period, even though it feels like you're eating constantly, that's the point you are. So go ahead and do that. And if you get sick, eat again. Wait a minute for your tummy to settle and then eat something that's easy for you to eat. Yogurt is something a lot of mamas find easy to eat. So that would be a good choice and it also is easy coming up. So If that were going to happen, you could feel sure that you'd pick something that maybe wouldn't feel quite as uncomfortable on the way back up. But eat again. Eat something easy to eat, but eat again very quickly. Again, to avoid that blood sugar crash and to keep those nutrients flowing for you and baby. And just like Kate found out, the Duchess Catherine found out, if things are getting really hard, if you can't keep anything down, if you're losing weight, if you're getting dehydrated, you need to call your doctor and talk to him or her or your midwife, talk to her right away and get some help. All right, eating high protein snacks with a little bit of carbohydrate is a good idea. So don't eat just anything when you're eating those snacks and those meals. You want to eat something that's high in protein and something that has a little carbohydrate. The little carbohydrate helps because usually it tastes very good and it keeps your energy levels up. It gives you that quick boost right away and also gives your blood glucose that quick boost right away. The protein, in addition to providing a building block for your body and your baby's body, 
it's more of a slow burn kind of thing. And it gives you the building block materials that you need. And if you happen to need it, it can also be broken down for energy. The preference is to use carbohydrate or fat for energy. And if your body is using protein for energy, you probably need to eat more. But it's there as a backup, especially during this first trimester time when you may feel pretty queasy. Pick foods that are really easy for you to eat, but that combine that protein and carbohydrate. Some easy examples, peanut butter on crackers, cheese and apple slices, yogurt and fruit, a trail mix. Pick a trail mix that's mostly nuts with some dried fruit, maybe some chocolate chips, not one that's mostly grains like a Chex Mix, and not one that's mostly fruit. Pick one that's mostly an assortment of nuts with a few little sweet things in there to keep your tongue happy. Eggs and orange slices are a really good one. This one packs a huge nutritional punch for you because the eggs have lots of protein and they also have a good amount of iron. The orange slices... The vitamin C in the orange slices helps you to absorb the iron. So especially if you're anemic, you know you've been anemic in the past or you tend to be anemic, this is a great snack for you to make one of your daily snacks. Half a sandwich with meat, cheese, and veggies is another good one. So those are all easy things that you can have on hand. Again, make sure that you've got these things on hand and you can quickly make a snack with. And if you get to sit down to a meal and realize there's no way that particular meal is going to go down, then you can grab one of these snacks and have that instead. Remember that good fats are very important to your emotional well-being. I stressed the high protein and carbohydrate, but you also want to make sure you're getting fats throughout the day. Again, the fats are an energy source, so you would prefer that your body run on carbohydrate and fat rather than having to break down your protein stores, which you and baby both need for building your body tissues. So good fats are very important. Dairy fats are a good fat. Studies have shown conclusively that high-fat dairy can help moms get pregnant. Previously infertile women or women who have been having problems with infertility, when they add high-fat dairy into their diet, they all of a sudden find that they're ovulating. This is especially true for moms who aren't ovulating. The high-fat helps them to ovulate, helps them to get pregnant. Of course, the advice right now is, okay, once you've gotten pregnant, switch back to low-fat dairy. But really, think about this with me for a minute. If your body was not able to conceive without this high-fat dairy, and we're presuming that since they went from low-fat or skim dairy products to high-fat, that that's what made the difference is getting the dairy fat in there. If your body could not conceive with that low-fat or skim dairy, and then it did with the high-fat, what sense does it make that you're going to be able to successfully grow the baby that you finally conceived if you go back to the environment that wouldn't let you get pregnant at all. It just baffles my mind how they can make that recommendation. But just in case you're still feeling a little bit iffy about the fat, fat is what builds your baby's brain. And your baby's brain very literally starves on a low-fat diet. And children's brains starve when they're put on a low-fat diet. They wonder why academic problems are so epidemic why children all of a sudden have all kinds of emotional disorders. All of this stuff is mental. And 
what have the recommendations been progressively? More and more, put your child on an extremely low-fat diet. Your child's brain is starving. Your baby's brain needs fat, so don't be scared of good fats. Good fats are a good thing. Dairy fats are one of the good fats. So get your Greek yogurt full-fat Greek yogurt. Drink your milk whole. Get 4% cottage cheese rather than the skimmed cottage cheese. Don't be afraid of butter. Meats have good fats in them. Yes, the fat in meat is good for you. Human beings have been eating it for thousands of years and have been nice and healthy. It's only in the last 50, 60, 70 years when we stopped eating animal fats and animal products and started eating all kinds of grains that obesity became epidemic. You can draw your conclusions from that. That's not for this podcast, but again, I'm telling you, fat is important to your baby's brain, and it's also important to your emotional well-being. Avocados, uh, coconut milk or coconut oil, those are vegetable fats that are very good for you. Again, you'll notice that these are the saturated fats. Things like fish oil, salmon, oily fish, those things are all good fats. And the reason that those are good for you, aside from the fact that they're building your baby's brain and keeping your baby's body healthy is they really help your emotional well-being. They nourish your brain, too, and keep you in a better mental state. In this time of early pregnancy where there are so many changes that are so unseen and you may feel queasy and you may feel fatigued, they can be very trying emotionally. So getting that good fat in your diet while you're eating the protein and carbohydrate can help you handle the challenges of your first trimester and the challenges of morning sickness more easily. Other ideas for morning sickness... C-bands, which are acupressure bands for motion sickness. You can get them pretty much at any pharmacy or any druggist. You can order them online. They they may work really well for you. Um, some women don't respond to them. Some women respond very well. I was surprised to find that they worked very well for me. So they're just a little band. They look kind of like a little sweat band, and they have a plastic bead almost in them that goes over a specific acupressure point on your wrist, and the instructions are all included. You wear one on each wrist, and if you start to feel queasy, you can actually push down on the little bead to make it give more pressure to that acupressure point, but the band keeps it exerting a little bit of pressure continuously, and it can really make a difference for you too. If you want more information about those, I'll include this in the show notes, but you can go to birthbabylife.com slash cbands to get more on that. Extra B vitamins, this is another great nutrient for helping keep morning sickness away and also for your emotional health. Animal products are very rich in B vitamins and some grain products have B vitamins too. But you can take extra, a supplement of B vitamins. They help promote well-being. Vitamins B12 and B6 are what you really want to focus on during the first trimester. So even if you decide to take a B-complex, which is a good idea, especially for emotional health, take extra B12 and extra B6 on top of it. Many of us are deficient in B12, especially if you've been a vegetarian or a vegan. You'll probably want to supplement. That can help with queasies. And B6 is the nutrient that most doctors and midwives will recommend that you take to keep away the queasiness. Most of the time they recommend that you take three 25 milligram doses throughout the day so with breakfast lunch and dinner you can just take a 25 milligram b6 and this can really help a lot and keep this up 
until the nausea, the queasiness is done and wean off of it. I would recommend that you continue a B complex and B12 throughout your pregnancy, but you can wean off the extra B6 once you're in your second trimester or halfway through pregnancy and you're really not feeling all that queasy anymore. You can go ahead and stop taking those. Relaxation is a really important thing to help you feel good during pregnancy. If you're overly tired and during early pregnancy, you feel extremely fatigued anyways. So if you're getting overly tired, then that's going to make the nausea a lot worse. Nap when you can. You may find that you need a cat nap in the morning and you need an afternoon nap. If you can, find a way to put your feet up and nap. Try and relax your schedule. Take things easy and don't be on the go as much. If you have to be on the go, pack a little cooler with good snacks so that they can go with you. And if you get a chance, nap in your car or an empty conference room or nap while your little ones play around your feet if you need to. Just try and get that extra rest. Some further resources for dealing with morning sickness. I have a little book called 27 Morning Sickness Remedies. That covers all kinds of natural remedies. The B6, like I said, it discusses ginger and other natural remedies that have been trusted throughout time to help handle morning sickness. If you want more information on that, you can go to birthbabylife.com slash morning sickness. That's birthbabylife.com slash morning sickness. Like I said, it's just a little book. It's only about seven bucks. So if you want to pick that up, it's full of natural remedies. I also have uh, one article called Having a Great First Trimester and then a series on morning sickness survival. That's a two-part series. And both of those are full of helpful ideas, most of which I just gave on here. But I'll include those in the show notes in case you want to go back and look more deeply into these topics with those articles. Something else that I've been asked lately, and this is our baby tip, mommy tip, everybody tip, is how do you keep on top of everything, Kristen? How do you have a podcast, and how do you have all of this stuff going on? How do you take care of your kids? You run several websites. You've launched a new product, which is the Mama Baby Birthing Coaching Program. You homeschool your kids. You cook meals. How do you handle all of that? Well, first, let me assure you, that I have grumpy, stressful times and I don't feel like I'm on top of things and I'm a bear to my kids and they're grumpy to me and it doesn't feel like we're living in the Brady Bunch life at all. But in general, I think that we have a pretty good handle on things. When there's no sickness and when there's no crazy holiday schedules, we tend to keep a pretty routine schedule. We get some grumbles with chores and schoolwork and I have some hiccups with business stuff, but on the whole things go pretty pleasantly. And I have a few general tips that really help me. The first thing I want you to realize is that being a mommy means you're a manager. Don't minimize that. Don't minimize your role and say, oh, I'm just a mom. I should be able to do all of this. If you graduate from momhood, when your child graduates from high school and goes to college or moves out to start his or her own business or whatever your kid is going to do, you have graduated from Mommy Manager Academy at that point. A, A mom has to be a manager of her household. You have to take care of the kids. 
If they have a busy schedule, you keep up with their schedule. You keep up with your schedule. You stay on top of meals. You stay on top of keeping the house clean. You take care of the laundry. If you have your own work, you do your work, whether that's a work-at-home business or working outside the home. You may be involved in the community, either mommy groups or church activities or other volunteer and charity activities. Being a mom means that you are going to be a manager, and you learn some really valuable skills through that. And you can also feel okay studying how you can be more efficient, how you can do better, because you're not being just a mom. You are a manager of your household, and you're a manager of a group of people, however many there are in your family. You're a manager of that family, And though we aren't going to look at it like it's cold as in a business team, um, we all know that a family is something much more wonderful and you love your children, but they are people that you manage and manage their schedules, help them grow up into responsible, sweet human beings, and, and that's a lot. So don't minimize yourself. And what I really want to say with that is don't minimize yourself And do be willing to realize that just as a professional manager out in the corporate world would take time to learn management strategies, you can research management strategies for your household, and that's a very valid thing to do. My first tip is to have a routine to your day. For some of us, this is very natural. For others of us, it feels very overwhelming to think of. And for some of us, we think, I don't want to have a routine. I want to be spontaneous. But let me tell you, even if you have a general routine, it will help you be a lot more productive and get a lot more done. And children feel a lot better when there's a normal routine. Even if this is gentle, babies like it, toddlers like it, preschoolers like it, and even older children like it. When you get off of the routine, things start to go downhill. Parents find that by the end of summer break or even by the end of the holiday break, children seem to be unhappy and they're getting grumpy and it's because there's usually been pretty formless days and it's one of the reasons why summer camp is so popular because there's a structured routine every day for the child summer camp sleepaway or day camps that's why they're popular they offer that structure your children like that and you can get a lot a lot more done with that so even if your routine is simple such as we get up we shower We get dressed, we have breakfast, then we go for a walk. Then we come in for a little while and we read a book and we do puzzles and then you play alone while mommy does whatever mommy needs to do. Then we have a snack and then we play again and then we have lunch and then we get ready for our naps. We read a story, have a nap and mommy might do some mommy things during that nap time. Then we get up and we clean the house before daddy gets home and then we make supper. Then we eat supper, and after supper, we have a bath, or maybe not if we had a shower in the morning, but we have a bath, and then we read a book, Daddy reads us a book, and then we go to bed. And that's a very simple, general routine for mostly little children, but that gives you an example of a generalized routine. It's not set in stone. You could have one day a week or one day a month where you go out to a mommy and me class or some other extracurricular activity, but... It is a normal, gentle routine, and you'll find that with a routine comes the freedom to get things done. Maybe your routine involves 30 minutes for you to do something. Maybe you want to write. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to start a blog. Maybe you want to sew. Maybe you want to knit. 
something that you want to do for yourself. Well, if you have a routine, even if you only have 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, even for that item, you'll find that you're able to really make some progress on it because you sit down and you know that time is what you use for that. And then when it's over, you're able to fully devote yourself back to your child or to the housework or what, whatever you're doing. But having that time scheduled to do that product, project that is your heart's desire, so to speak, it gives you the freedom to sit down and do that without guilt. And you can also do this with organization. For 30 minutes every morning, we work on this organization project. Maybe it's one room, one drawer. Maybe it's your entire house bit by bit that you're just going to go through and totally declutter. You'll be amazed how much work you get done on that. And that's just by having a routine that allocates time for all of that other stuff that has to get done. Meals, baths, um, and the things you want to get done, like reading a story or taking a walk with your child every day. And then it still leaves time for you. So have a set routine. Also, use the tools available to you. I, like I said, I get asked, Kristen, how do you stay on top of all this? How can you possibly write an entire childbirth education program while you're taking care of a family of six, or a family of seven, soon to be eight? And the I, I judiciously use tools, so I could not get anything done without my task list. My tool of choice for my task list is Microsoft Outlook, and I use the task module in that extensively, and I also use a system for that from Michael Lennenberger um, called Total Workday Control with Microsoft Outlook. Like I told you, you're a home manager, and you don't need to think, oh, I'm just a mommy, that's not important. So, yes, Michael developed this system for CEOs and powerful positioned people in the corporate world, and I use it for my life as a mommy and a work-at-home mom, and it works very well for me. You can use any system that you want. You can develop your own system, but I would recommend that you have a task list, be that electronic like mine. I love it because it's on my computer and it's on my phone. If I'm out and about, it's where I am. Um, or you could use a paper-based task list, but... Find a task system that works for you and keep track of your tasks. Have a calendar available to you because you need to keep track of your life and where you're supposed to be, even if that's doctor's appointments and errand days and other things, you know, the aforementioned mommy and me classes that you want to keep track of. You need to keep track of that. Again, an electronic calendar can be useful, but you could also use a whiteboard on the wall that you draw out your calendar on every month or a paper calendar. I like electronic solutions. Again, this especially, I like to have my calendar as an outlook, but it syncs to Google Calendar, and that works very nicely because my husband's calendar also syncs to the Google Calendar, so I can keep track of his schedule and schedule things that he needs, and he can see what the kids and I are going to be doing on a given day, and that's nice for coordinating family life. But those are tools, a task list, a calendar, a day planner, an iPad or another tablet, a computer-based system. Those are tools that help you get things out of your head. My kids will often ask me, Mama, what are we having for dinner? Or, Mama, what's for dinner tomorrow? Or, what's for lunch tomorrow? I can always tell them what's for breakfast because it's usually the same thing, but I'll often tell them, I don't know, I have it written down so that I don't have to keep it in my head. I can go look at it. And after a few weeks, if we've had the same menu for a few weeks, I know it. But at first, I don't. I put it down on paper 
so that I don't have to keep track of it. And you can use other solutions um, to keep things out of your head. Uh, Something like Evernote or Microsoft OneNote, those are essentially electronic notepads where you can just jot whatever you need down and then search for it later. That helps you get things out of your head. A task list helps you get all these things that are floating around in your head that you need to do onto a task list so that it's there for you to review at regular times. All these tools require that you actually review them for them to be useful. But they can greatly enhance your productivity. They move that stuff out of your head. A household binder is another thing that many moms find useful in that you might have meal plans or favorite meal plans. You might have instructions for doing chores for the children. You may have a copy of this semester's agenda at school or with your child's extracurricular activities. And all of that is right there, literally in a binder, or maybe you have it electronic, that you can just flip through when you need to look for these things. These are all tools that help you, and I'm not trying to give a comprehensive review on each of these tools, though I could do a podcast more in-depth on any of these. If you want to, just leave me feedback or shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I can go more in-depth. But I'm trying to give you an idea of the fact that you don't have to keep everything all in your head. I certainly don't, and if I tried to, I'd go nuts. So one of the secrets to to uh, being an effective mommy, I guess, and staying on top of things, is don't rely all on your head. Rely on your tools. They're there to help you. Your electronic or paper-based secretaries, so to speak. Another tip, stop when you are tired. This is a tip that, again, I actually got from a business resource, and he was teaching that you need to stop when you're tired. If you don't have any more energy, don't push on to that next project. Just don't do it. Sometimes as moms, there are things that we need to do. But in general, if this is something that requires your creativity, your enthusiasm, your energy, and you're just sapped for the day, then don't do it. Do something that requires no energy, like or no thought energy, no mental energy, like folding laundry or stuffing diapers or... Um, you know, something that requires no creativity. Or if you're just really sapped, sit down and watch a movie or read a book or, best of all, go to bed. Just don't try and push yourself. Save the things that require more creative planning, like thinking up a craft for your child or planning a craft for your child or planning a menu, things like that. Planning a holiday get-together for the whole family. Think about those things when you have energy. And when you're fresher, I know that's hard as a mother. I do get frustrated when I listen to business courses and they say things like, the first three hours in the morning you need to do your most important project and then you're set for the day. And while I have maybe 30 minutes in the morning and then I have to do things for my kids, there's no option for me to sit and work on business things for three hours, especially not during the school year when their schooling is a priority. So it can be frustrating as a mom to find a time when you have the energy to fit those things in. But in general, do look for those times when you have more energy and save the things like folding the laundry, sorting through all the junk mail. Save those things for when you're tired in the evening and you don't have the mental and emotional energy to attack anything that needs creativity and charisma. And finally, delegate if and when you can. There are many ways that moms can delegate that we don't realize. 
Some of those things can be delegating to your husband. My husband is in charge of the laundry in my home. All I do is put away my clean laundry. He handles everything else, and the kids help him put away their laundry. He's delegated very efficiently, too. But you can delegate to your husband. Just talk about it and say, you know, I need some help. Is there something you think you can help me with? Or find a way to, to dialogue about that with him. But there are even not-so-obvious ways. One of the ways that's really easy now is your menu planning can be completely delegated. There are many menu planning services that are very inexpensive, and it doesn't matter what kind of diet you and your family eat, Mama. There is probably a menu planner out there that at least covers several of the weekly suppers, if not more. And when you sign up for one of these menu planning services, they plan however many meals a day you're going to get with that service. And they give you a shopping list. There's usually not only the recipes, but also the food preparation. So if you need to remember to do something on Monday to get ready for Tuesday's meal, they have all of that in the instructions. Again, pennies a day. And you've delegated away that responsibility of menu planning. I like menu planning, so I don't delegate that. But that's a really easy example that, that you can get your hands on pretty easily. There are other ways that you can delegate. Things like a, a lot of grocery stores or warehouse clubs, if you shop there, you can call them up or even submit an order online, and they'll pull your order, and you just walk in and pick up your groceries. So it's almost like having a personal assistant. There are different ways that you can find to do that. And then, of course, the maybe not so obvious but should be obvious is your children can do a lot, especially as they get older, and especially if you start encouraging them. Toddlers love to imitate. That's just the way that they are. So if you're putting toys into a toy box, hand your toddler a toy, and he or she is probably going to put the toy in the toy box because they imitate seeing you put toys in a toy box. And you just pick up a toy, put one in, pick up the next one, hand it to your child. It starts off very easily like that. Even little ones can help you shove laundry into the dryer. And as they get older, they can take on more and more responsibility. Children who don't have any responsibility tend to be unhappy children. They're not contributing to the family really at all. They, of course, bring you joy. But children... They like to feel like they're contributing, and as they get older, they do grumble, and they don't want to do the chores because that's human nature. But, <laughs> Mama, if you have older children, you shouldn't be doing it all on your own. They should be able to fold their own laundry, and when I say older, I'm not talking teenagers because if you wait till the teenage years, they're not going to do anything. I'm talking about your preschooler can start learning how to fold the laundry. He or she can start learning how to set the table. Uh, and then your grade schooler can be helping wash the dishes. They can be learning how to make simple breakfasts and lunch, lunches. And by the time they're in middle school and high school, if you were sick in bed for a few days, well, they would keep up with the household. That's where you want to be with your children. And as a mom, you can and should delegate to your children some of these responsibilities. And don't do it feeling like you're a guilty, mean mother. Do it knowing that you're giving your child the skills that they need. So many of us have experienced what I experienced. You get out on your own and you're sitting there with three cookbooks trying to figure out how to boil an egg because you don't know how to do it. And when my husband came along and saw how I was doing laundry, he was pretty horrified <laughs> because I guess I'd never really been taught how to, 
how to sort and do laundry completely appropriately. It was just kind of a, I learned how to throw the, everything in and the soap in, and he thought that my whites were the dingiest things that he'd ever seen. And I'm not afraid to say that here on the podcast. But I, I had to learn how to keep a house and, uh, and cook from scratch. And I'm not talking about keeping it like a 1950s mom. I'm talking about basic cleanliness. About the only thing I really knew how to do was take out the trash. And I knew how to scoop kitty litter. And I knew how to set the table. But other than that, you know, my mom just did everything for us. And a lot of moms, a lot of us do that because we feel like it shows love for our children. But what really shows love for them is teaching them life skills and letting them see that they're part of the happy family unit. So really, delegate when you can. And yes, that means helping your children learn how to do some of the household things. And then if there's other ways you can delegate, like the examples that I gave with the meal planning or the grocery pulling or anything like that, then then take advantage of those because that does lighten your load. And just like a good manager in a workplace environment delegates, he or she can't do everything. You really can't do everything, especially as your children grow older and they're capable of doing some of it. You shouldn't do everything. So those are some ways to keep on top of mommy life. And that was my my baby and just mommy tip for this week. So handling morning sickness, keep yourself eating around the clock, eat those high-protein, high-carbohydrate snacks. To keep on top of the mommy life, develop a normal routine, take advantage of the tools that you have so that you don't have everything swimming around in your head, delegate if and when you can, and, and, and don't keep going if you're exhausted, mama. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to lay on the couch and read books with your child all afternoon every once in a while or maybe every day for a week because both of you are overtired. That's okay. Give yourself a break. All right. That's it for the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast for this week. We'll see you again in two weeks. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, especially if you leave a comment or a ranking now that we're in the iTunes directory. Just hop over to iTunes and search for the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Let me know what you thought of this. I would love to hear if you loved it, and I would love to hear if you have some advice or criticisms. It doesn't matter what. Just hop over there and leave us some feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.